Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Amy Braun. Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, anytime I can find somebody on social media, that's a really cool book, or that's a really cool advertisement, or a, you know, the sponsor there looks really cool. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to message people on that and get them on. And, uh, so I found you through Instagram. Instagram is a little harder for me sometimes. Um, I know it's hard for people to get a hold of me on there. So <laughs> I was excited that you were one of the three people that responded and, you know, we could get you on for season two. So really, really glad to have you. And I cannot wait to hear about your books and your style of writing. So. Very excited. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to lose my voice to the audience just a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm constantly been battling this this fall, so I apologize. Uh, but Amy, for that first question there, <clears throat> what has your writing journey been like up until this point? It has been full of surprises, I would say. Um, I started the way that I find a lot of authors start. They read a lot of good books and then they just have that idea in their head one day. You know what? I should give this a try. See how it goes and see if I'm any good at it. And I was very, very pleased to find out that I did have a little bit, a little bit of talent to at least start with. <laughs> and um, it just progressed. And a lot of what I've found is that I've made some really amazing connections that have really helped me along. And it's, it's just been um, a lot of really interesting surprises, like getting mentored by people who I never thought in a million years would reach out to me and getting to go, um, help other friends who have been authors and or who are currently authors and just learning vicariously through them. So I would say that up until this point, it's just been constantly learning, constantly finding ways to improve, writing when I do have the time. I've been a little bit hectic lately, but I know that. Um, it's been, it, it's, it definitely gives me a lot of excitement for what could come next because, you know, just getting all these sending emails and meeting all these new people you just have that moment of you know well what if what's going to happen next so right. it's it's a good motivator well i think you bring up a great point there about community and you know i think i thought i was going to do like 10 of these interviews you know and like oh, i'll probably get 10 maybe 10 and now you know we're almost done with season two and you know to 104 you know here uh, i think december 18th um, but it's been really cool too, not just with the people that have been on the podcast where I've been able to, you know, to help I'll share a lot of things on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. Uh, but it's been really cool to have people like Mark Timoney, um, you know, Crystal Matar. Um, you know, I've had quite a few people that I've talked to, you know, almost on like a, a daily or, you know, weekly basis. You know, like, hey, how's your writing going? And stuff like that. So I definitely agree with their community has been a lot more fun uh -huh. than I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought it was gonna be more of a solitary thing that we do, which a lot of times it is, but at the same time, it's really fun, you know, when you can actually be engaged with the community. I think it really helps you at different times when you're, when you're slacking like I am right now. So. <laughs> it does. It, it makes such a, it makes such a big difference. I mean, I was at um, a Polycon uh, in, I think it was, I want to say June, I can't remember exactly when it was. And just the people that I got to meet there, some who I knew, some who I didn't know, but some who I 
thought I would never, ever meet. It was just an absolutely incredible experience. And I was so, so fortunate to go and just be, be part of it and have all these hilarious stories to bring back. Some of them I don't think I can completely share, but some of them, it was a great time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's always fun when you can meet different creatives. That's why people are like, do you go to Comic-Cons? I'm like, yeah, all the time. Like anytime yeah. that uh, we actually, actually missed one, unfortunately, because of a, a funeral a couple of weeks ago and my co-teacher went instead. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, I'll go and tell you how it is. He's like, I came back to school. He's like, dude, you got to go to this Comic-Con next year. <laughs> but he was like, you know, you would have liked it. He goes, there were a lot of, you know, authors. He was, I was surprised at how many authors there were. And I try to talk to authors about that all the time. I'm like, go to a con, like, you know, go to, I'm like, people are there. They like fantasy. They like superheroes. They like horror. I'm like, if you write one of those, like, go, like, you're in your genre. Like, who cares if it's a different medium, you know? And I, exactly. I agree. People that you meet are really fun. So I've met some really cool um, comic writers in particular the last couple of times I went to. They just, I had to buy their stuff. My wife, I leave there and she's like, man, you bought a lot of stuff. I'm like, this is my version of Michael Kors, okay? <laughs> so oh, it, was, it was great. We were seeing all kinds of authors or all kinds of readers just carrying literal like trolleys of books that they were going to take with me and all the hauls that they had. I'm like, I hope that you're driving because how else are you going to get this back to your house? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm also really weird. Uh, my friend, uh, like Sheila Snyder, like I went and bought hers and I'm like, I just, I love this one character that she had. And it was like, oh, I just, I'm going to buy the first book. And then I got there. I'm like, they look so cool. So I had to buy all four, of course, signed. And of course, the other series, <laughs> the fantasy series is amazing, like redheaded, just amazing looking woman. She just, it was like the, like urban fantasy cut in a nutshell. And I love urban fantasy. And she's just so strong. And I was like, oh, these are such cool covers. And she just had them re-illustrated. And I just, I loved them. So I was like, all right. I was like, I guess I'll take all eight of your books. She goes, yep. that's eight out of eight. I'm like, yeah. And I had to wait till the end because they're, you know, they're pretty thick, you know? See, I had like yep. a stack So I had bought a lot of stuff. But yeah, I, I should have done that. I should have brought like, you know, like a suitcase or something. Next something. time. Next yeah. time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Well, that's awesome. Where, where was that one at, if you don't mind me asking? That was in um, uh, Washington or nearby, because it, okay. it was weird because uh, I live in I live in Canada and I went with my friend um, Danielle L. Jensen and we were trying to figure out exactly where it was because the address said Virginia, but the promotion and all the materials said it was in Washington and we we're just like, we're Canadian, we don't know how this works. So we're just going to go to the address and be in the right place. <laughs> and luckily you were, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were passing over the um, the Washington Monument and we're like, okay, well, we know what that looks like. So we're definitely here. <laughs> That's really funny. I had a friend actually, I wonder, I wonder if it's like the same type of issue. Like I had a friend who is from here and he didn't even know. He was so, and, you know, he had just had a baby. And he was so in a coffee days. I think he had published two novels within like four months and then their baby was born. And it was like, he was doing all these interviews and stuff and he gets off the plane and then he gets to the address and he's like, this is a, a an office building. So he goes in the office building, somehow gets buzzed in and he's looking for this con. And he's like, 
I have to give him the right spot. It turned out he was in Washington, D.C., and it was in Washington State. So, oh no, I definitely heard it happen here as well. So, he literally goes, Well, I already got my hotel. So, he goes, I told my wife, but she was like, Ah, you know, my mom's already here and stuff. So, he literally like had like a three day vacation. <laughs> He's got, got more writing done. <laughs> and sleep. Exactly. Might as well make use of it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> But here you guys, I heard that area, though, for Washington, you know, has a lot of really cool ones. I see a lot of people, um, you know, my friends here stateside, you know, like go to a lot of really cool ones out, um, you know, out in Washington. And I'm always jealous because I have not been, I used to live in Phoenix and I had only been as far as like Colorado and Iowa. So I didn't quite get to, you know, the Northwestern part of the you know, United States. And there's a lot of writers out there. There's so many authors, you know, you know so it's really cool. But Oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a great time. I'm very, very jealous of that. <laughs> have to uh, look into that in the future. Uh, so for our audience, what genre or genres do you currently write in and why? I primarily write in fantasy. Um, usually I explore urban fantasy. That's where I started. And that's kind of where I, um, where I guess I felt most comfortable when I was starting because I've I watched so much Supernatural when I was uh, yeah. when I was in my early twenties, <laughs> so it oh, had a very heavy influence on me. Yeah. Um, but I also love you know your sword and sorcery epics. I love dark fantasy, so I wanted to go with that age, that old um, the age old adage of you know write what you love. So I've written books with steampunk and pirates and vampires and um all kind of mythological gods and that kind of thing just um whatever whatever is I can put in the realm of fantasy I would say is what I prefer to write it's just something that I grew up in and I continue to love I'm starting to get a lot more to historical fantasy I would love to write in that genre one day when I decide I want to have the patience to do all the research that comes with it <laughs> but um yeah, most of my published books are in urban fantasy right now. Um, I do have one that's kind of a dystopian, um, uh, dystopian dark fantasy that's called uh, the Dark Sky series. The first book is Crimson Sky, and that was my first. Um, that was my first kind of step into completely new fantasy territory. Um, the book I'm working on right now is going to be another dark fantasy uh, adult book. Um, I'm hoping to get back to it because earlier today, one of my friends, uh, I, I just talked with all my friends and they are, they're all readers and they like, you know, we love to give each other ideas because we're all very creative people. And he gave me an idea of a um, kind of a urban fantasy thriller that I'm okay. trying to resist writing because I've got to finish this book first, but I might be diving back into urban fantasy quicker than I expected. Cool. <laughs> urban fantasy thriller sounds thrilling. <laughs> sounds really it's, oh, it's it's such a it's it was one of those ideas where you just think about it for a second and it it just clicks. Like you just see it in your head. You're like, oh, I want to try this. I want to try this. This is the hook, and this is even when I was thinking about the hook, I'm like, this is definitely idea an idea that's I could find a readership for because it's um it's essentially 
I thought about um, Grady Hendrix a lot, who is a new horror author that I discovered earlier this year. And it's it's kind of not exactly his, um, not exactly the same, but it's it's that kind of, uh, he wrote a book called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I think it was a really long title, but it's it's kind of that idea where there's, a group of people who are just living their normal lives and then you drop a vampire in there and everything turns upside down. <laughs> so he gave me this idea for it. Um, and I've just, I've been thinking about it all day. It's very distracting, but it is gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, so my buddy, we were at our, I totally know that feeling. My buddy and I were at this book sale and then he was talking about, it's so bad. I keep forgetting who the author is, but she writes. Um, she writes like really like funny, like urban fantasy, and um, it's all just very humorous. And he he was like, yeah, there's uh, this like ogre orc trooper ogre troop who they're like cooks in this diner, and it's all about like their adventures. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool if they like got stuck here and their overlord, you know, from their realm came here and they came here with them and then now they realize they actually like humans and they defend them and it was like ha 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 we go to the gaming bar we hang out at i used to work at and i literally turned to him at one point i think i had like one drink and i was like okay but then what if this happened and then we kind of like put it aside and then he said something else to me and i'm like okay now i have to write this stupid book you know and ever since then, like i been figured it out a little bit but yeah it like it bit me and I'm like, I have so much to do right now. And it's like, come on, you want to write this? I'm like, not right now. I'm like, I do, but I'm like, I'll never done that. So, but I think also the idea is personally that, you know, I talk to a lot of authors and for me, like when I talk to them, that idea excites me, you know, and I think in some ways I, you know, I do need to finish more things first because it'll help me to get this thing done really well. But so many of them have told me that that's what they did. Like they finished whatever they were doing that went to that thing. And, I don't know if it's because they, the oven was warmed up or what, but that all of a sudden that thing ended up being the thing, you know, the novel or book or series that, you know, really helped them out. So yeah, always good when it won't leave you alone. It just keeps whispering in your ears. So that's, um, yeah, exciting. I've been writing down tons of notes, leaving notes okay. on my phone. I got out a specific notebook that's perfect for it. So I'm, I'm ready. I just have to remind myself, no, finish the book you're halfway through first. <laughs> and then go to this one it's not going anywhere hopefully no one steals it and if it does i can put my own spin on it because everything old is new again yeah yeah well it's funny that you said that because you know uh michael Art fletcher um, when i had him on for season one and you know we talked about that he's like yeah he's like he goes you know it'd be really cool and him and i came up with this idea of like one of these days i'm going to do this i'm going to invite a couple like three different authors and then the four of us are going to write a short story from the same idea and it's just going to be like three sentences mm -hmm. and we're all going to write that story and then we're going to come back in the next podcast and then we're all going to read our stories and we're going to see how different each story is even though we all came from the same idea because uh, i really do think that you know you know there you know there's so many things where you're like oh those are similar but yet they're so different. And I, I think it's just a natural process that each of our brains is different. And, you know, even if you gave us each an outline, right? Same mm -hmm. exact outline, we'd come up with, you know, totally different books, you know, at some point. They'd probably be, you know, similar in certain ways, but I think yeah. you know, very different ones. 
So, yeah. And it's but, a huge, huge marketing thing too. You see that all the time. Like if you're a fan of Stephen King and you, you know, you're a fan of Sarah Mass and you like both of those things, even though they're nowhere close to connected, <laughs> then, you know, it's, it's a way to get readers interested in your book because if they like one thing, odds are they're going to read it based on that like. So it's, you see it all the time. I mean, I guarantee your audience has seen it where they go to read, read the book synopsis and they're like, this book, Game of Thrones meets Gladiator or whatever. And it, it's surprising how often it works. Like it really is just so simple to put that in a synopsis or a blurb. And you just, you see the readership come pouring in because that's what they want to read. Yeah, yeah. I think it was JCM Byrne and I were discussing that on our um, episode earlier for season two. And he was like, isn't it ironic? He, like where readers want to know, okay, well, who are you like? And then you draw them in, like you just said, like telling who you're like. But then in the same breath, you have to tell them why you're different and unique. <laughs> He's like, mm -hmm. Two opposing forces there that are yeah. <laughs> that you need to be able to sell people on. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's, I never thought about it before, but I'm like, he, he was totally right. So I, yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to have to do both at the same time. And, mm -hmm. and <laughs> fantasy thriller. I like how you said historical fantasy too, because I teach history and I um, have came up with my own genre of historical urban fantasy. Um, and, yeah, and I'm like, Amazon can't like, you know, make a whole new category. Uh, <laughs> it must be like the second half of the season too is like all the rebels for genres but you know i always bring um, you know, the golden compass for instance you know like you can go into any bookstore you know you know canada here you can go anywhere right <laughs> you can go to antarctica you'll find that you know that book in a different section in any i went to i went to a really big part of indianapolis where um, there were two Barnes and Nobles. I swear they were maybe like two miles apart. And I saw the Golden Compass in Young Adult in one, and then same town, right? Like two miles apart. Went to the other Barnes and Noble, saw the Golden Compass in science fiction, and <laughs> it still sold. You know, like yeah. well, <laughs> Southeast or you know whatever. And I just I think it's crazy. You know, at times to think, but yeah, yeah. But urban fantasy thriller that that sounds very interesting. Well, I'll be really excited. <laughs> Uh, you know, get going with that. I'm gonna be excited to see that like process and I you know how that worked out for you. So, oh, you're gonna speak to the devil on my shoulder that's telling me not to write after. it because I have a half finished book. Because <laughs> you shouldn't be like me where you get done with draft one and then you like go that way and now your draft two is yeah. behind. You have to do twice as much writing. So, well, I mean, they I hear all the time from my mentors and from other um, authors that I that I follow to learn from. And they say, well, you, you write your draft, you put it aside for six months, you leave it, let the ideas like um, continue to germinate as it were. And then you have that six month gap. So that's when you write something new and exciting, which could be an urban fantasy thriller full of vampires again. <laughs> <laughs> well, make a lot of people happy there because that just sounds really cool. <laughs> All right, I have to write faster now. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? That's why I always all myself. I got right faster than today. I'm not feeling well. So I'm like, I didn't get very much done. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like every day where I'm like, I get a lot done today. Like, or then like one day our furnace like stopped working. So I was like doing that like all day. And I was supposed to be like whole writing time for this other idea for Nano. I'm just like, oh my gosh. But yeah, if I could figure out how to do that, I would. Somebody knows how to write faster. Let me know. <laughs> 
so we'll kind of, I really want to get in now to, you know, really talk about your books for the next couple of questions. That way our audience, you know, can get really uh, acquainted with them and your writing. Uh, so we'll start with that third one there. And I'll probably say this wrong, so I apologize. But this one looks really cool to me. Uh, but what are your, is it Arios Brothers novels about? Oh, yes. perfect. Yeah, those sounded really cool. I love the covers too. I was just curious what those were about and how you came up with this idea. Um, so those are, they follow a pair of brothers who are, um, they're descendants from the Greek pantheon. So the, primarily the Olympians. And they are essentially Dean and Sam Winchester, because again, I wrote this and I was obsessed with Supernatural. So that's where the idea came from. <laughs> And they have to um, claim certain relics. So there's the, the uh, Thunderbolt of Zeus, there's the Trident of Poseidon, the Helm of Hades, that kind of thing. And essentially they're trying to keep the, um, the, the Titans locked in Tartarus. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of a mashup of all my favorite tropes in urban fantasy. You have the two siblings who are really close. You have uh, a lot of elemental magic. You have the Greek gods messing around, and you have a lot of um, a lot of action scenes going on, and a lot of um, a lot of downtime for the main characters to talk to the side characters. And then I leave cliffhangers all over the place because I love them, and I'm a terrible, terrible person who likes to torture my readers. And it's. It was just, it's kind of like a passion project for me because I love those things so much when I was growing up. I, I just wanted to write my own spin on it. I mean, it's a genre that is really familiar to a lot of urban fantasy readers. So I just had to put my own spin on it and add in things that I think were fun. And the series isn't quite complete yet. I'm hoping to get back to it fully next year when I have a bit more time, but it's just, it's just always stuck with me. And there's always been moments where I'm thinking about Derek and Liam and Selena and um, just what they might be up to since I've left them for so long and I left them in a really terrible place. So if you do buy the books, I'm sorry about book three, but also not really, because again, I'm just a, I'm a little demon. I can't help it. <laughs> well, I think, you're not ready for a cliffhanger. Don't don't read a book, right? <laughs> yeah, because I I see that question a lot. I see a lot of readers who are constantly asking authors, like, is this a completed series? Is it ongoing? Because a lot of people like to binge read. So just up front, this one's not complete. <laughs> so unless you really love that feeling of cliffhangers, which I do to a certain point, it depends. Like there's there's been cliffhangers that have stuck with me for a long time. So I'm constantly thinking about that book, even if the cliffhanger has been resolved. And that to me speaks of like, you know, the writer has done their job. They've got the reader hooked and they're, they're ready. They're waiting to hit that pre-order button. So you've done your, you've done your job as a business person, but I know a lot of readers are also like, I've, I've been awake since 3am, like, Three months ago, I can't sleep. I'm still thinking about John Doe or Jane Doe or whatever. And you need to write this book faster. And of course, all of us authors are like, it takes a year to write a book. So yeah, also, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, there's a couple of mine that I have in mind. I'm like, 
I don't know. I feel like I have so much, so many other things to read. And I just like, I just usually just pick up something else. Now I'm more of a, I'll read a couple, like two in a series or two books, and then I'll actually move to something else now. So I don't get bored. I got so hung up on the Dresden files for a while. Uh, Cause I just like flew through, I think probably like for six, I think within like, I think it was like nine days or something. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, I just couldn't put them down. And then I just like got really burnt out on them. So now I <laughs> was just talking about it. he's like you you did not like a couple of these people because they did this i'm like i'm such good writing though i'm like oh. well, that like yeah i want to go slash their tires in their car or something like, you know, <laughs> me as a writer now, i'm like that's mission accomplished you know mm-hmm. clearly i can talk about the characters and story enough to you know uh, commit a crime so yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah those looked really cool to me that's what i thought I was like oh that's definitely like you know Sam and Dean right there but yeah <laughs> I thought he was just talking about that he goes no wonder because he's like like two years older than me he's like no wonder we like that you know this genre of urban fantasy so much he goes we had Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then you know the TV show came out he goes then Angel you know he's like then you have Supernatural he's like we were just you know made to love urban fantasy you know like Tales from the Crypt Keeper was a little bit older and stuff you know Ash and Evil Dead like stuff like that yeah, you're right. I'm like, we were screwed from the beginning. I mean, it's true. Got to be one of the best, you know. I mean, clearly, because it's got it's it's got to be now, right? One of the longest running shows on the CW at this point. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they. I think they finished it and then they did a spinoff. I mean, I I'm not fully caught up yet. I know I said I was obsessed with it, but that obsession, like the Dresden Files, did dim after a little bit. But yeah, it's. I think it's like you're saying, it's just one of those things where if you saw it growing up at any stage in your life and it just hooked you, it influences what you do creatively. So, I mean, if I had, you know, I, I've always loved mythology, which is again, why I picked Greek mythology, because that's my favorite one. And I still have a, um, I think it's, I don't want to say it's a penguin classic. Uh, I can't see it on my shelf. But it's just this little tiny purple book with Medusa's head on it. And it's got all these like really simple, um, really simple Greek myths, just like the bare bones because it's made for you know, kids who are 10 or whatever. But I still have it. And it's just so worn in the spine because I've read it so many times because I just I fell in love with it. And it's one of my my favorite books because it was such a it was such an inspiration for me because you know, myths are all these epic stories that are meant to capture the imagination and you know, they, they tell important messages. And it's just, it just sticks with you until you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I want to combine my love with supernatural to my love with Greek mythology. And then you write a whole book series about it. Oh, did you freeze? All right, Amy. So we'll start there with that fourth question now. <clears throat> what are your Dark Skies books about and how did you go about the world building for this series? So the Dark Skies books, um, the first book again being Crimson Sky, they follow, uh, they take place in a world that has essentially been uh, um, overrun by the vampire overlords. And they all kind of live in these um the vampires live in these sky ships that kind of watch over 
the, the, the world. And whenever they get hungry, they decide to come down. So a lot of people are, you know, they're afraid to go in the skies. Everything's really dark. No one's really know what, no one really knows what a blue sky looks like. And it follows, um, main character Claire, whose sister is kidnapped and she has to team up with, um, a few younger sky pirates and essentially um, rebuild their ship so that, or get their ship functioning so that they can go and rescue her sister because there is a very skilled engineer. And over the course of the series, um, obviously there's more reveals. And again, my dramatic cliffhangers and spoilers and stuff like that. Um, so it really starts with a very, very simple rescue the sister, and then it progresses into something a lot more grand and epic. Um, as far as the world building, I, I essentially again just took things that I've that I've always loved. I'm like, okay, well, I love steampunk, so let's make this a world where the main character has to be an engineer because it's a very useful skill. That's something that she'll be able to. Um, work on in a jiffy because she's not really she's she can fight but you know it's she's not a black belt or anything like that she's she's not really it, it's a lot of luck and a lot of her thinking really quickly um being resourceful in the situation and so building off that I'm like okay well what else would be really interesting I love pirates so why don't we just have some pirates in here essentially and you know they'll have a have a ship that's broken down so she gets to get on it use her engineering skills to get it back in the sky and really the vampire element uh was just because again i i just love all the different takes on it and being able to um to use vampires and kind of their their tropes essentially and mm -hmm. just build around that so obviously there's going to be um there's not gonna be a whole lot of sunlight. They're going to want to um, you know, come down and take over or just you know, stalk the, the land essentially. And so that's gonna force everyone to, um, to hide underground and hide in these secure locations. And there's a lot of debris everywhere because the vampires would have basically, you know, to show that they're in control, they would have bombed much of the world. So, this was definitely also written when um, dystopia was at its at its peak. There's you know Hunger Games and all that kind of stuff, Divergent. So a lot of those um, a lot of those elements, and then added in some grim dark stuff to make it you know extra creepy and and dark because again I love that stuff <laughs> and just um, just getting new ideas and you know you have this idea of like oh well what if they find this warehouse that you know isn't as bombed and you know there's uh there's stuff in there that they can use and then they find a secret like it's a lot of just following threads and seeing where they go and just expanding as you write oh. Like I, I like how you said that. That that makes me think about that in a little bit different way. I think that makes total sense that an engineer would be, so, you know, well sought after. That that's that's a really good idea. Um, I really like your tagline on here too. They're always watching. They're always waiting. They're always starving. That's like awesome. Immediately <laughs> pulls you in there. 
Um, I love those covers too. Very steampunky, very, yeah, very, uh, very cool color scheme there. So yeah, those are really cool. Did you uh, plan on them matching ahead of time or was that something that kind of happened? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I basically, um, I talked to the cover designer and I was like, you know, I'd like it if they all kind of look similar so that they're really distinct when you see them. And, you know, we'll just change a little bit of the logo and we'll change a little bit of the background. So for the final book, Obsidian Sky, um, I wanted there to be, you know, kind of like the corroded metal, but a little bit of lava in there because lava might be significant or some red light might be significant. You'll know if you read it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've definitely worked with a few artists and it's always interesting to see how covers progress and how um, how much like the tiniest bit of input can completely change what you want it to be for some mostly for the better not always but then again you just work with the artist again and you um, give them your ideas and your feedback and all the ones that I've been fortunate enough to work with they're very very receptive and it's just interesting to see how how it all comes together until you get the final product and it's just wow this is exactly what I wanted and this is perfect and I can't wait to see um to see how everyone else receives it cool. so it's it's always exciting to do that oh it's cool yeah I like little hints on the covers like that too so if the red yeah. light means something to me that really you know really helps sell the world building for the book right off the bat um mm -hmm. yeah like i liked will white's like covers um for the first couple books in particular um we just had like these little symbols and at first before i had the books i'm like okay i'm like it's kind of cool you know and then once i read the books i'm like oh that's really cool because it actually is in the book you know and yeah mm -hmm very in the book person i want the cover to i don't like random covers <laughs> like i like yeah <laughs> tie into the book i was just looking at novella cover for myself and i was like said to my buddy i go do you like this he goes yeah he goes but you're a stickler he goes does it fit with what's in the book i said yeah i think you know i think it does you know i said it's not till a little bit later uh you know i said but i think it makes total sense so yeah that's mm -hmm. that's definitely looks good though so that's awesome thank you Oh, those sound awesome. I always love when people just throw vampires and then into a world and then build their entire world around them. They always <laughs> really, really cool. So, uh, if that, I could put vampires in every story of mine, I probably would. And that yeah. would be what I would be known for. Just, oh, yeah, there's the vampire author. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they are they are very fascinating. You know, I think at that time, too, you know, you had the um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer book was really yes. popular. Um, there, were, yes. there were a lot of really cool movies too. Like there was one movie that I remember came out around that time too, where it was like vampires um, had decided to come out to humanity and then they were running everything. And then mm -hmm. we were all just kind of like blood banks. And it, it was really in it was an interesting movie, but like the world building was done really well. I'm totally wondering what it was called. Uh, but I remember watching it at some point from like family video or whatever. And I was like, this is written like world building wise really, really well. Because it really made you think like, could this really happen? You know, and it mm -hmm. had a lot of things in it where you're like, oh, that's terrifying. Because, you know, you could really see that being like an actual thing, you know, if yeah. vampires went onto the world. So, yeah, I, I totally understand there. I got vampires and, you know, most of my stuff, particularly urban <laughs> So right there with you. <laughs> yeah, and it's always interesting too because it's amazing how much that one element can change everything. I mean, 
you put vampires again into urban fantasy. Well, they might have a different hierarchy. They might have different set of rules. They might be based off a different culture and they might just be something completely new. And there's just, there's such a common monster, but no one ever does them the same. So it's always always refreshing i mean everyone always rags on twilight but you have to admit no one ever thought to make vampires sparkly before yeah so i will give i will give some credit where credit is due to some but yeah it's always and it always challenges you as a writer to to be like okay well do i want to do the classic vampire tropes or do i want to do something different because i mean nothing is wrong with the classics and yeah it's just it's when everyone has changed the element of vampires or a similar kind of monster so much sometimes it's good to just go back to basics and be like you know they can't walk in the sun they can't see the reflection and they can you know do the dracula thing where they climb on walls it's always there's always an interesting take that's to be had with something like that yeah yeah well i always thought like why why is it in mythology i always like the history aspect and um, and my ogres and overlords, like oh, my whole fan, urban fantasy, like all of my stuff's in the same world. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, I have, I liked it. I was like, well, what if all the monsters were from the same like dimension? And I was like, what if vampires were originally from that like planet in different dimension or whatever? And then I was like, well, why, why would our son hurt them? And my buddy and I were talking scientifically and we're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, if they were used to, you know, not having a son or a different mm-hmm. type of, you know, radiation or energy it would make sense that when they come here, they wouldn't be able to go out during the day. Uh, so right. like kind of that route. And it was kind of cool. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know? And then we kind of like went from there and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then we always really liked the kryptonite thing from Superman, you know, like where, and we're like, oh, okay. Like we could have where the vampires spread their classic tropes themselves. Uh, to throw people off from the actual weapon, which is like weapons from their home world or their dimension. And like we had really eight years brought some of that here. And we had a couple of different medals and things that we're like, oh, we're going to have that be from their home planet. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if you had one of their weapons or something, so all of a sudden it became like this huge world building thing. And again, from like a random conversation, like that my friend and we're sitting there, he's like, wouldn't it be cool if I'm like, who is that? I'm like, Oh, too much on my plate to write already. I'm like my own fantasy world. I'm trying to like finish, and then everything he says is so much cooler. Um, it's like how I met your mother, where like Barney and Ted will be like, we'll say something, and then mm-hmm. one will be like, okay, that's better, and then they'll do the better thing, and that's how I feel. It's like everything he's like he makes me think of, and then I like make it better. I bring it to him. It's like, really cool, and I'm like, you're not the one writing them though. <laughs> like I'm not the writer. <laughs> now I got this, you know, idea stuck in. But yeah, yeah, I think vampires are so cool, like you said, though. And elves is another one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love when somebody takes the classic thing and then changes it in a small, unique way. Like, and then it just, it makes it, you know, we're that familiar, but then, you know, you still have, you know, the exciting parts to it. Like I got yeah. elves. I, I'm like, well, why, why don't they sleep? I'm like, why do they love the forest so much? Like, you know, why don't they eat meat? And I was like, well, what if they're half, like half plant? or you know mm-hmm. something like that uh so i have more that like chloroplast in their skin and stuff and there's just so many writers that do so many cool things like that where i'm like it i agree with you it just challenges me as a writer to be like that's so cool like when i see your book here and you know i'm like oh that's a really good idea like steampunk and vampires like 
(laughs) And that makes me think, uh, you know, I I like that too. It makes me think hard around, you know, my world building, you know, or, you know, Mm -hmm. that. So, and that's where, again, I think going back to what you said earlier, you know, about community, I think that's what's so great about community is like, you know, particularly with like indie authors is, you know, even if you're with a company like Titan, you know, we're all still in the same boat, you know, and mm-hmm. we're all trying to push each other in the same direction. So I think that community, you know, feels pretty good at the end of the day, you know, and you get to see what people do and you're like, well, I want to be as cool as them, you know, so, yeah. you know, that you just keep, you help each other keep writing, I guess, is the main thing about it. So. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. I mean, I was extremely lucky with Crimson Sky because I just, I just wrote it and I was just, you know, learning about self-publishing on my own. I wasn't, you know, I, I was in that stage where you're like, okay, well it's available, but because I don't have like a million degrees in marketing, I'm not really sure what to do with it. So I'll just do what I know. And I mean, I'm still a big reader. I still um, do a lot of reviews and read a lot of books on Amazon. And one of my favorite authors is Michael J. Sullivan. And awesome. I met him. He was so funny. He is amazing. He is genuinely amazing. And I was just, just out of the blue. He sent me this email saying, um, you know, I've read your book. Like you, you were oh, wow. abused age of myth and I read your book and I want to be feature, featured on my website. I'm like, yes, yes, please. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, and it's, it just kind of went from there because he, um, we kept in touch and he was, you know, email, we were emailing back and forth and he was like, um, you know, here's some things that I can give you. Like, if you want to send me some of your writing and, you know, I'll give you a little bit of critique or give you advice. It just went from there. And I've, I've been mentoring under him for, for the better part of a year or two now. And it's just, it, it's just so, it's so mind blowing because all I did was write a review for yeah. a book of his that I absolutely loved and it just I'm being mentored by one of the best writers in fantasy and it's just awesome. it's so so surreal to have that moment so yeah like you're saying like it just community is huge because he is he like you're saying he's a wonderful wonderful human being and it's that definitely balances out when he does his critiques because critiques are always <laughs> a little difficult, <laughs> but it's, it's fantastic. Like, even if the critique is a little, uh, I wouldn't say harsher, a little more intense, I would say mm-hmm. you never walk away feeling like you're a failure. Like he is always supporting and always encouraging, like, you know, yes, this needs a lot of work. Yes, some of this stuff doesn't work. And it's never, it's never a sense of you're doing something wrong. It's just keep trying, keep learning, try new things. Like there's always that sense of, you know, um, you just have to, learning how to write takes a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you feel like you're stuck at the beginning for forever, but you just have to keep doing it and keep doing it. And sometimes it just, it'll all come together somehow and then you can move forward to the chapter two critique and then start all over again (laughs) no I'm I'm incredibly fortunate and very very lucky I I haven't been in a few um in a little while just because I've been focusing so so much on getting this draft done but I'm very excited to go back and just you know learn and you know have my have my critique again I'm ready (laughs) 
<laughs> I was gonna say him him and his wife just seem like they're always just helping people out. I know some people there just oh, like, oh, I just said something. I just sent a tweet or something. I always want to ask him because like I so when I met him it was the year I met my wife in Phoenix and he was at the poison time with Kevin Hearn and mm-hmm. Brandon Sanderson, Patrick Roth of us. And I had I had kind of an idea who Brandon was and Patrick I had heard of, but like like Michael, I was like, oh my gosh, like I couldn't believe he was there. And I brought, I think it was book two, because like I was not making any money as a te- teacher in Phoenix. So I bought them used. So I brought him book two, but at the time they did not have the numbers on the side. So mm-hmm. when I gave it to him, he goes, what, you couldn't bring me book one? <laughs> and I laughed so hard. I go, I tried finding them everywhere. I'm like, I'm like, I don't like hardcover. I'm like, I want paperback. He goes, oh, I get it, you know? So I was decent. I you definitely have the number on the spine. And now I just always laugh because then when I go places, like the numbers are on the spine now. And it's so funny. So I always want to just ask him, be like, when'd you put the numbers on the spine? Was I the guy, you know? like, Oh, I, kind of I hope you were the guy. Yeah. I hope so much. I always tell that story, but it's just so funny because I, I laughed so hard and I went through the lines several times and I just, after, I was there all day. I mean, I think I got there at like 8.30 in the morning. It was packed. I did not leave there until probably like 9.30 at night. I mean, I went through and talked wow. to Kevin several times. I, him and his wife, I went through and talked to um, Brian McCollin a bunch. Um, There's so many people. Sometimes I have to go back and look at, I mean, I talked to Michael a few times. There was some just, just great people there from the indie community. That was the first time I ever heard the term indie publishing um, yeah. as a writer. And there, you know, I talked to him and Brian McCollin a lot of, and, and there's one other author. I always think of who it is. I've got his book somewhere here couple of them but um you know I talked to the three of them a lot like oh this community is just so great and you know Mm -hmm. they really really like did a great job selling it I feel like you know and one of them pointed out like hey you know like go look at someone they're like go look at Michael's book and they're like come back and tell us what you see on the cover so I was like oh that's interesting I'm like you know like Brian over here you know has a blur about Michael's book Michael's got a blur over here on you know so-and-so's book and so I went back and I talked to him like, yeah, they're like, seems like there's a lot of us. He's like, but there's not that many of us, you know? And yeah. And then the, some of the things they said, I just was like really into. So I like kind of, you know, kept it in my mind. And it was so cool to see him and, you know, Brian and just so many people from there, you know, just blow up, you know, mm-hmm. with the indie community. I just always thought that was like, so so cool to you know to get to meet them this is probably like almost like nine years ago like eight yeah. nine but it was just so cool to see people's progression that's one reason why i wanted to do this podcast is you know look back in five years and be like where's amy at now you know like <laughs> um, you know before people get their publishing you know um <laughs> netflix and stuff you know like oh that's awesome he's he's so cool i I really want to have him on for season three. I just been holding off because I have so many people for season three and I'm trying to do yeah. particular things and I'm like, it'd be cool to kind of have him on with some other people. So we've been, um, oh, yeah. yeah, like figuring out a little, we're trying to be a little bit more um, productive once my new laptop gets here. <laughs> now I'm, you know, like four authors for the seminars and stuff and, you know, or panels and all of a sudden the Zoom cut down or something like that. 
Oh, that's really cool. Well, I'm jealous because he was just talking about you guys on one of the last episodes for Wizards, Warriors, and Words. Um, yeah. It was uh, a month ago now. So that's really cool. I know him and his wife were talking about, you know, mentoring and stuff like that. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You're the one I'm jealous of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm one of them. I mean, I That's yeah, it's, and it's just so great because there, there's just so much support because they have so much experience and you can, they, they know so much and not just about traditional publishing, but also about independent publishing and, you know, how it, how it feels to, you know, start at the bottom basically and to still understand what it's like to be there. And then to just build up all that experience and, you know, give like another, give like another perspective of someone who's like, yes, I've been where you are, but these are the steps I took to get there and to know that it's, um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's the big takeaway that we always have is like, you're gonna try and fail a lot because this is a very, very difficult industry it requires a lot out of you and sometimes you do need a break from it and there's nothing wrong with that either so you know when I when I do go back which will probably be in a couple of weeks because my schedule finally aligns <laughs> um it's it's just going to be so exciting to see how everyone else in that group has has worked and how far they've come and even just learning from them because they're all very talented as well and they're all in different stages of their careers so it's it's really interesting to form a community of people who are very experienced, people who have a little bit of experience and people who have a lot of talent, but don't quite have the, they haven't published a book yet or they don't have a deal or whatever. And it's just, just getting all those opinions can, you know, you never know what someone's going to say to inspire you to keep yeah. going with your writing. And it could just be, it could be the one who doesn't have any experience. They just say something you're like, oh, we never thought of it that way. And that helps a lot, which means you have to put them in the acknowledgements as well. Yeah, <laughs> mine's going to be so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I really liked the, what they were talking about um, with the guys and Wizard Words and Words about Kickstarters. Um, yeah. Like I, good idea <laughs> like I had so many notes from the two I think it was two, two episodes or three they were on like back to back to back and I know Dirk you know and Michael talked a lot and stuff and he goes up there you know I guess over there for the retreat and stuff um mm -hmm. in the best summer but yeah I was just like this is such good stuff I like I think I listened to both episodes like like back to back to back days like I just kept like you know trying to let it infiltrate my brain and I had so many mm -hmm. ideas just from them talking about certain things so yeah. That's why I do this podcast. People are like, no, you're still doing that. I'm like, I'm like, I just can't stop. I'm like, <laughs> hearing people is, you know, hearing that one person were like, I just did this one thing on TikTok, and then this happened. Just like, I'm like, I love being a teacher, but it is just like, I like, we're about to have our first child. I'm like, I just want to be a stay-at-home dad and write at some point. And like, I got three nephews, two are in Michigan, and one's here. And I'm like, I just want to be able to travel. I'm like, it's just so hard to do that when you're like older and, you know, it's like, yeah. I'd rather just do it now. So I'm just like, what happens if Amy today, if I don't interview Amy, she's just the <laughs> one thing that gets me into the chair, you know, and gets that really good idea. It's like, you know, that's again where, you know, I think community is, you know, 
such a, there was a Twitter post that came out and um, uh, MJ Kuhn and I talked about this um, in our first episode and then our second one for February she wrote where somebody was like in the Twitter community, I don't know if you saw it, it was like a couple, probably like a year and a half ago now, where they're like, Andy publishing, we're all enemies. Why are people pretending that we're friends? And we were just like, what? And like, I've never seen that person again anywhere, you know? And yeah. You know, they had published, you know, quite a few books. I think they were just kind of like, oh, a lot of people don't feel that way. They kind of exited because everybody was like, no, we don't feel this way. <laughs> like, this yeah, is it. it's completely different. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's one of my one of my favorite stories from a Polycon was um, I went with Danielle Jensen and she's good. She's really good friends with Elise Kova. And a person came into Danielle's line and she's like, I have this book that's basically a unicorn. And it was Danielle's book, The Bridge Kingdom. And, or no, it was the, it was the Trader Queen, because I remember his book too. And so we opened it up and it, it looked fine on the outside. It was the right cover. It was the right hardback, but the actual bound pages belong to Elise Kova's book, Fire Falling. Oh. So we stared at it for so long and we were laughing because this reader who brought it to us, like she had no idea that Danielle and Elise were best friends. So this woman was, this reader was like, you know, I, I wanted you to sign it so I can bring it to her. So Danielle looks at it and then she like crossed out Elise's name and signed her own name instead. And she's like, okay, now you take it to Elise. <laughs> so it's just, it's just one of those things where, again, that would never have happened if the if there hadn't been that community, if the, if Elise and Danielle weren't so close. And, you know, you don't get to have that experience of, you know, like that reader is going to treasure that book even more now because it was something that only they're going to have. And it just makes such a big difference. I mean, that was, that was again, one of the highlights. Like I, we're still laughing over it to this day because of all the books, of all the authors, there was two who were very, That's very crazy. best friends. And yeah. it really is a unicorn now. No one else will get that misprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. I'm very jealous of that person. <laughs> that really I do too, actually, yeah. You really don't want to have on yourself. Like, I have some, right? You know, I just have my top and stuff. Like, I have quite a few from, you know, um, well, I have Michael's like put away and Brandon, like Patrick and a few people, um, like really, really securely. <laughs> I don't want anything to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm always afraid there's gonna be like, I'm always paranoid in my basement, there's gonna be like a diapers or something. And the signed ones that I got that day are like, you know, gonna go, uh, oh. so I got high on the shelf and stuff, like packaged and things. But yeah, oh, yeah. Cool one. one of these days when I get like better shelving system and you know, some glass or whatever. Daniel Aronson has a really good setup actually for his. Um, yeah, I'll put them there, but that'd be a really cool one to have, you know. That'd be yeah. a once in a lifetime, like kind of opportunities. Yeah, I would love to have a shelf for all my special editions because I'm, all my shelves are pretty well packed. And I recently got um, a few J. Kristoff special editions that I'm like, okay, I can't, you know, I don't want, these to get damaged so I'm going to put them on top of my bookshelf because that's the only place I have for them because I yeah. don't want them to fall off or I don't want them to be you know wounded in any way yeah. but then my fear is like well they're on top of the shelves but it's also by the sprinkler because there's nowhere else yeah, so yeah. my fear is like 
I might have to move them because if there's a fire or oh maybe the first ones to go and I would be devastated like I always think that if if for whatever reason my building does ever catch fire I know you're not supposed to leave with any items but I'm going to take those ones with me <laughs> I'm going to save them <laughs> yeah you got to get yourself like a, like a go bag I you do. know <laughs> I do throw them in real quick tap out the window get like a little yep. one of the ladders you know yeah. pretty much I'm, I don't know if I would hop out my window because that'd be a very fair fall or far fall but I could probably climb down as long as I save the books it's fine <laughs> yeah always well for that for that fifth one I was just curious as to really could be for any of your books really but how do you decide on your magic system and what kind of things do you do to make sure that your magic system is unique? Um, so a lot of my magic systems, they're kind of based on um, what I want the characters to be. So for example, um, with the Arios Brothers in that series, there's a lot of elemental magic because a lot of the gods were, they would be tied to one element or another. So it was really, and I, I loved elemental magic, so it wasn't that, that hard to kind of, you know, find a way to adapt um, their skill set, which whatever god they're descended from. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, for a couple other books, um, The Stormborn, which is a standalone uh, young adult story, the, the, the magic kind of came from the concept. It was basically you know, what happens if storms were sentient for some reason? So a lot of the magic is based off, you know, people essentially are these um, these beings that are basically storms. Um, and yeah, it usually I just work with the concept and then kind of find, um, kind of find ways to kind of incorporate it in the world building, which can be a little tricky sometimes because you want to have your character do all this cool magical stuff, but it also has to make sense in the world that you're creating. So it's not, you know, they do this because magic, even though, you know, I use that excuse when I'm drafting all the time, but then I go back and edit <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I have to make this make sense now. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of experimenting in the draft and just finding a way to get thought moving and then when I go back to edit it's more uh more fine-tuning and then um changing things that don't work or if I need them to work because the plot says like it has to work this way or your story is going to completely collapse finding ways to um either either alter how the magic works or uh why things are the way they are so kind of writing and rewriting the rules, essentially. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it can be a little bit tricky at times, but for the most part, I try and incorporate the, the magic system to directly the characters and to the story that I want to tell, and then just adapting it as I go along. Oh, that's really cool. Sentient storm, that's- that's, yes. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that keeps me doing interviews. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of fun to do. It was a lot of fun. I got to, because yeah, it was just something that's, again, just a stray thought that came through my head one day. And then I'm just like, you know what? I haven't seen anyone else write this before. So I might as well give it a try. Yeah. And it's, uh, it has worked out so well. 
Yeah, that's super cool. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, what is one writing tool or resource that you currently use that you could not live without? And then what's one that you'd like to try in the future? Like, I, be like be a tool, strategy, really be like anything. Um, some people have picked software, some people have picked organizers, people have books that they like to use. I got this like really cool world building book that's I got a while back. It's like the essential mm -hmm. world building blueprint and workbook. It's pretty cool. It's by Scribeforge. Uh, so I use that a lot. Uh, but I was just curious. Uh, some people have been talking about different POVs, but I was just curious at what you consider your best writing tool and why, and then what's one that you might want to try in the future. Um, I cannot live without Scrivener ever since I discovered it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it just, it, it's perfect for what I'm drafting because then I can put in a comment and be like, okay, I need this, like, this is something that has to change. And then I've got all my character listings there. So if say I've been too busy with life and I haven't written anything in weeks, um, or not in weeks, in days, I should say, but you know, if I'm writing and I have an idea, then I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is tied to a certain character trait, so I can put in the character thing, and it's just all in one place, and it's, um, I do use notebooks, and I do update them every, one, every once in a while when I have a chance, but I find that when I write notes, they're not as organized as some other people's that I've seen, which makes <laughs> me very jealous. <laughs> um, I threw my ring off for some reason. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Scrivener has been a, a major, major help. I would definitely recommend it. There is a little bit of a learning curve when you start off with it because there's just, there's so much in that program. But once you get the hang of it, especially if you're someone who likes to be very organized and meticulous, it's a huge, huge help. Highly recommend it. Um, as far as getting, as far as uh, other tools, um, I definitely like Vellum. I like that uh, you can just compile everything and you know, you're good to go. It's really simple, a lot simpler to use in Scrivener and it's good for if you're going to go into independent publishing. Um, I think if there is a tool that I wanted to learn to use more, it would be, um, be stuff related to marketing. So, yeah, so a lot of, um, I have done Amazon ads before, haven't really done them recently, but it can be, it's a little bit complicated because you have to do a lot of experimenting. You have to, you know, put whatever money you're going to use into a certain ad type and then see if it takes off. And if it doesn't, then you have to, you know, change your, your keywords or whatever. And, um, learning how best to adapt your Amazon page into the product you're trying to sell. So a lot of, um, a lot of people have uh, like a table of, you know, this is the book cover, this is what it has in it, this is kind of what it's about. Like that's really, really big on Amazon right now. Um, I'm also trying to use a lot more of TikTok because that I've seen a lot of people have a lot of success there. Yeah, And it's, it's like, like I talk with my author friends all the time. And what we find is that it's, it's a real challenge. It's a lot harder because you can make all the videos you want to gain that new audience, but you also have to find a way to actually sell your product, which, you know, it might not be the same, like might not be as simple. So you'll have 
you know, great videos and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe you can cure your book in one of them, but getting that conversion rate is the challenge. So I would say that um, trying to figure out marketing would be the next, um, would be the next tool to kind of master because half of being an author is being a business person. Because even if you get picked up by a big traditional author, you still have to put in the work. You still have to sell yeah. the product unless you get super lucky and you're immediately Stephen King. Because Stephen King doesn't need to market. He just puts his name on the cover and then it, it's done. It, he's, got, he's got the reputation. But it takes so long to build that up. And that's you know, another thing that, that uh, Mike has told us is um, you have to build that, the, that readership. You have to interact with them and you have to you know you know be kind to them be informative and just be like um kind of sell your personality I guess would be a way of saying it like you know you know be uh be open and honest about who you are and that's that is a way to kind of draw in readers and then just casually drop in you know oh hey by the way my book is on sale if you're interested it's right here and yeah it's um it, it takes a long, long time unless you're, again, marketing genius, mm -hmm. but it's definitely, definitely worth it in the end. Because again, like we we're, like we were saying a lot today, it's about building that community mm -hmm. and it's all through, you know, uh, social media, which is just part of your marketing tools. So. I totally agree with you. It's just funny how. I just think I'm like Michael, like just so, such a personal person. Um, you know, like I was just like, oh, okay, like what else you got here? And I think I, I think I ended up buying the other two books in that trilogy actually there. Um, and just got another one the other day actually, and I was out and about it because um, so a really good deal. I was like, oh, there's the paperback. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like you know, I just it's so funny. I was just talking to somebody about that, but like you know, I think the best thing I did and it was Kirk Ashton and I were talking about a while back and on um, Facebook and somebody made a comment about in one of the groups like well what should I do for marketing and he's like I just like to go into conversations exactly like this and have a conversation you know and I'm like yeah that's 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 what I do a lot you know I'm like I like to talk to different people you know particularly authors about their books like you know it's somebody's birthday I'm like my, my friend's like you just get so caught up in that you know different people that you just you just like people i was like he's like, you always forget to say anything about anything he's like you just don't care <laughs> i'm like well yeah. i'm like i just i was like well if it's someone's birthday I'm like you say happy birthday if it's you know somebody has a cool cover you're like hey i really like that cover you know you're like you know this looks really cool this is a cool ad you know i'm like people work hard on this stuff you know i'm like people you know you know i i share every single book that i see now on TikTok. i i'll repost i'll takes me two seconds to repost two seconds to share it to facebook um you know i'll do that every time because i'm like you know i would love if somebody did that for me and i'm like i like to you never know who you know i can make a new you know favorite author for somebody you know a new reader for somebody you know and i like becoming a new reader for other people i have a couple people today actually i found some cool books on um because of sponsored ads on facebook and um yeah i mean it's just it's cool to see people's successes i think personally um, yeah. yeah yeah it's just it's a good time when you you know see people like yourself you know are doing well so it is and it's it's always nice to when 
you know, you like you want to support someone. So if someone's being, you know, like Mike or uh, Marissa Meyer, I see she's really, you know, active and nice with her community. And when you see them interacting and just being their genuine selves and just genuinely good people, it's just, it's almost like an instinct to like, okay, well, let's see what they wrote because I really like their personality. And, you know, like I connected with them as a person. And even just getting that little bit of interest goes a long way because your book is being seen by someone and you know it's it even if they don't end up buying it you still did part of your job you still got them to look at the book and be like okay well this might maybe the synopsis just wasn't for them like if they if they like science fiction they're probably not going to read a um you know a a non-fiction or you know literary fiction book it just might not be their style but maybe they have a friend who does and word of mouth goes so far yeah so yeah it's just um it's a way to social media is definitely a very very good tool i i don't underestimate it and it's um it can take a long time to kind of build up that that readership but you know i i'll post a you know video or a comment and you know, I just have this, like, it's usually the same people who reply, but, you know, they might be one day like, hey, this person who I've been following for a while has a new book out, maybe it's a thing for you. It's just, it's, it can seem like baby steps at some point, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. I think my, a friend of mine, she said, you know, like, it feels like you're inching, you know, like you're pushing something heavy, you know, Mm -hmm. then what that day, she was, it only takes inches day by day shows but one of those times she's like you just got to keep going because that one last push might be the one that you know gets you down oh so i it's a good way to think about actually Um, yeah yeah. because it's it's so it's so unpredictable too like you never know what's going to take off like the book i'm working on right now could be the one and if it's not maybe it's going to be the next one it's just impossible to tell because it's there's so many highs and lows too. Like I've seen it so many times where an author, um, they write a great book and they just, they take off and then they write another series and it doesn't do very well, even if they're really exceptional. So they have to, you know, just work really hard in their next series and then it's back up again. It's so, yeah. it's so difficult to see how an audience is going to react, but you just got to keep trying. So even if every single book that you write is a huge hit, you're just, you're never really sure. So you just got to keep at it. You got to keep improving. You got to keep learning. And it's, it's like, I, I, as hard as it gets sometimes, I really do love learning about writing. I love experimenting and I love, you know, even looking back on what I've written versus what I write now, like, it's just, I can tell that I'm a different author and my writing right now is a lot stronger because I just have those instinctual lessons that I learned from reading other books getting mentored um just talking to other people in in the writing community and making other friends and you just you absorb that knowledge even if it kind of seems overwhelming and it reflects in how you create and how you write so always learn (laughs) never too old to learn (laughs) some days i feel (laughs) Uh, this one's really interesting for me i came up with a while back and People have had such great answers. If you could take the place of one of your characters, who would it be and why? Oh boy. See, the thing is, I don't know if I would want to switch places with one of my characters because <laughs> I 
probably find myself in a fight with a monster and it wouldn't go well. Hmm. I think I would want to be um, maybe Thea from um, the Arios Brothers series. She's one of the secondary characters mm. and she's a descendant of Poseidon and she's oh, just she owns her own boat shop and she's just, um, she's, she's just like, I, I love the ocean and she's constantly on the ocean. She has great connection with it. So, you know, she's her own independent businesswoman and she just does whatever she wants. She has incredible power and she just has a nice, uh, nice sassy personality that I love. Every time I write her, I'm like, this is fun. She's always, she always had some spice to a scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great answer. I like that, that, that she's like descended from Poseidon and owns a boat shop. That's just like, I'm like, why that? that so cool, but so simple. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's, it's so yeah, that's, that's perfect world building right there in a nutshell. We were just talking about that. It is. We're like, it doesn't have to be super, you know, we we're just talking to a friend of mine who's like, just, we're trying to get to write and, you know, she's like, yeah, you're just, it doesn't have to be something huge. It would be something a little simple. I'm like, that is so good. Like, that's a simple thing, but it's so good. Like, fits perfectly into that, that puzzle piece of who that character mm -hmm. is in your world. So that's, yeah, that's super cool. It's awesome. all about the details. Yeah, yeah. My friend asked me the other day, he ever was, I can't remember who asked me now. I said somebody interviewed, interviewed a couple of friends when I interviewed like uh, Herman Stengel and then a couple other people. Somebody asked me, they're like, what about you? I said, I haven't published yet. I said, so I can't say <laughs> four things for next year. You have to pick one. And I was like, I don't know right now. It's like, I have to get back. <laughs> uh, so we'll go with that last one there. Um, do you have any news, updates, promos, or current projects that you'd like to share with us? You did talk about your urban fantasy thriller that's on the back burner. So I will yes. <laughs> definitely working into that one so what do you yeah. what else do you have uh, going on currently um well I have a sale going on next week um oh. let me just double check uh the details of it um I I just had a sale finished so I'll make sure I'm doing the right one um, <laughs> Stormborn is going to be on sale on Kobo for December 5th to December 10th um so that it is, uh, it's going to be about 40% off for that full week. So I will be promoting it on my social medias. Um, I'm primarily on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook, and um, I'll probably try and put a TikTok together. But yeah, it'll just be throughout the week. Um, updates. Uh, I will be helping my bestie, Danielle, in... Um, I think it's July for uh, Book Bonanza, which is going to be in Texas. Um, that's going to be a big uh, romance author um, author thing. It's hosted by Colleen Hoover, which is going to be oh. it's going to be intense. I can't wait. It's going to be another like I won't be a featured author there, but I, I'll definitely be around. So if you're in Texas and you want to come chat with me, I'll be there. Oh. Um, yeah, and it's it's going to be another one of those things where it's going to be so interesting to meet new people and just you know network and you know ask um, ask for advice, ask for questions because it's going to be uh, 
I would imagine it'd be a little bit different from the Volcon. Like it's um, same kind of author, same kind of venue, but just how they do it is even that is going to be something I can learn from. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be in the summer. Um, as for what I'm writing right now, I'm working on a dark fantasy with, um, it's just pure dark fantasy with uh, vampires and necromancers, vampires, of course. <laughs> There's very much a theme. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping to have that one finished um, probably early next year, just because it's been taking me so long to do. I've had to stop and restart, usually always when I'm at the midpoint. Um, which is again another thing about writing. You get to the middle, and then you gotta think about where you're going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pesky middle. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, with that one when it's finished, I will start querying again and just see um, see if I can get a traditional deal. If not, I will try and publish it by the end of the year. It just kind of kind of depends. Um, and I'm hoping to start the fourth Arios Brothers book in um, probably after I finish drafting this one, or unless that vampire thriller <laughs> Devil on My Shoulder comes back, in which case that's going to come first. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of projects that are in development, and you know, we're you know, we're just, I'm kind of in like that lull where. I'm working on something, so there's not really something big and exciting coming out next month, unfortunately. But again, it's everything takes time, and I'm definitely excited for when I get to release the book again because I've just learned so much in the past couple of years that getting to implement it is going to be half the fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't That's wait. Funny, I talked to an author the other day, and he goes, "Yeah, I don't really have that much." I'm like, "You." just released like seven books in like a year and a half and she had like four more that are like almost done i'm like isn't that fun he goes what well, thing that's coming out right now and i'm like but that's a lot yeah <laughs> as a reader of yours i'm like that is interesting you know i'm like that's yeah that's me, you know that's like definitely stuff to share yeah seven. i'm like holy moly yeah i know i'm like oh. so basically like in I said, so basically in like two and a half years time, you'll have 11 books out. I'm like, that's pretty prolific, you know? Yeah. And like, oh yeah. He's like, but nothing this, nothing the month this will release. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you calling? Six publishing, you know? Yeah, I, exactly. He act like he was super lazy because he had anything coming out in the next two months. I'm like, no, I'm like, you're like light years ahead of traditional publishing. I'm like, holy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I yeah. talked to a couple recently and they're like, Oh yeah, it's gonna be like two years. This is gonna be great. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, he's gonna already have like you know, twenty four. Another seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I got a lot of notes here. Um, I, <laughs> I <notes>. saw. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, and definitely send me, you know, your sale and um, wherever, like Facebook, email, Instagram, wherever. Um, I can give you my TikTok as well. Um, yes i'll share that everywhere um this week wherever i can for you but there's something else i can do you know uh to help you out you know in the meantime for whatever you have things coming out just send me whatever um you know and then we'll get you out in the calendar you know as soon as you're ready you know new year summer whatever you know we'll, i'd love to have you back and you know whatever new product you have 
whether it's an urban, you know, fantasy thriller or dark <laughs> fantasy or whatever, you know, we'll get you done and we'll get the word out and help you, you know, as best we can. So. Oh, I would really appreciate that. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Anytime you want to come back on. Oh, just want to remind the audience, you can find all of Amy's books and her social links in the description. Anywhere where this video is audio was found. My friend will kill me if I <laughs> forget it. <laughs> like edited it. Um, and then just don't forget, um, you know, our goal for season two has been to really get everybody like, you know, you're like, oh man. You know, Amy's book looks really cool. Go to the social and then you find one you really like, you read. Just please make sure, you know, you guys are, you know, really reviewing those products, whether it's, you know, Audible, Amazon, you know, wherever it is, um, wherever that book or product can be found, because that's going to help out our authors that we have on the podcast the most. And then you'll get more things. I'll get to interview more authors. We interview Amy again, you know, and we'll all be happy and we'll all get more books. So. But yeah, Amy, if there's anything, like I said, I can do in the meantime, you know, you just let me know and, you know, we'll help you in any way we can, um, you know, send me whatever you have at any time. I don't care if it's Facebook, email, whatever. You're like, hey, can you put this on your site? Or, hey, can you put this here? Just send it to me. I'm always uh, help. I'm always loving helping people sell their books so, or their products. So whatever you got, send it to me and I will get it out on all of our networks and everything. So. I would appreciate that so much. Yeah, like you're saying community, that's the theme. <laughs> yeah, we're trying here, let me tell you. <laughs> I really, well, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, anytime. Well, Amy, you have a good rest of the evening. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you, you know, if not an email and social media in the next couple of weeks. But like I said, send me that sale and I'll get it anywhere I can for you, okay? Thank you so much. Perfect. We have a good rest of the night. I'll talk to you later. You too, bye. Bye.